Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. You know, it's not really customary to talk about uh, Thanksgiving after the day of Thanksgiving. Um, but given that, again, we had had a, a missions opportunity this past week, and, and also, and you guys know that some of us, a small group of us, have, got, have been going through the book of Romans the past uh, seven weeks. We have one more week left. Some of you students that are taking it, just a reminder, the final exam is coming up. But we are almost done uh, uh, trekking through the book of Romans. And, you know, several weeks ago, I came across this passage, and I thought, it's such a, a crucial reminder, I, I just a, a little uh, a truth, uh, just a little nugget that's tucked in there. I thought it was worth paying attention. So, you know, this is the kind of verse that is likely to make you feel happy on Thanksgiving Sunday, or it's more uh, like the anti-Thanksgiving verse. You know, it doesn't necessarily exude like joy or the spirit of Thanksgiving. I can't imagine, you know, when you have some of you traditional Christian families, you know, gather around on Thanksgiving table and you're having service and you open up your Bible to Romans chapter 121, talk about God's judgment, depravity, sin. You know, this is not really a a, a usual verse that's talked about. However, there's an important truth that to be gleaned from what Apostle Paul is saying here about gratitude or giving thanks. And, And if you don't give thanks or the perils of ingratitude is quite egregious. What can happen if we aren't actively involved in giving thanks to God? Here, Apostle Paul argues that it was ingratitude or it was a lack of giving thanks or lack of acknowledging God in his provision. When we do not give thanks, that's exactly what led to depravity of the human race. So because you humans fail to give thanks, because they fail to live with gratitude towards God, that makes the human race more prone to sin and the fallenness of sin. So, you know, something we don't really talk about. So giving thanks is something that we do occasionally. Giving thanks is something that we are kind of mandated to do once a year. But I hope to communicate and convey to you today that this is something that we ought to be doing Every single day, because if we don't, that leads to greater sinfulness in our lives. So here we go. So let's dig deeper. Let's explore what the passage has to say. And in Romans chapter 1, if I may summarize just really quick, verses 18 through 32, Paul's intent here, you know, the, the big motif of the book of Romans is justification by faith. And Paul is quite logical. Paul is about... 20, 25 years in his being Christian, so he's had many years of processing about what God's grace means. He's had plenty of contemplation about how to reconcile the problem of human sin and how the grace of God is made available for us that we are now justified, meaning the broken relationship with God as a result of sin is now being mended. So that's the context of, that's the reason why Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome. In chapter 1, in setting up, 
And, you know, you can't talk about salvation unless you talk about the fallenness and the penalty of, the, uh, of sin. So Paul is setting up this narrative in Romans chapter 1, and he's talking about the origin of sin. He's, he's laying this backdrop in chapter 1. And, and this little section, verses 18 through 32, is known as the condemnation of the Gentiles or the curse of man. Or, or, or perhaps we generalize Apostle Paul's argument this way. First of all, God's wrath is revealed against the whole human race. But because we are all born with an innate knowledge of God, which we willfully suppress. Second, God has made himself plain to all men, meaning he has made himself available. He has made his grace, his knowledge available to all men so that they are without excuses. So even though that we are fallen by nature, even though that we have fallen into the ways of our sin, because God has disclosed himself, God has revealed, and God has allowed us to tap into this divine knowledge, that the human race, we are not with any excuses. And if we turn away from God, thus we turn towards idolatry and many other expressions of sinful nature. And those results can be seen clearly in verses 24, verses 26, 28. In the repeated phrase, God gave them up. So we have the, you have this, this is what's going on here. Humans are filled with these desires. They are curious. They are mistrusting of what God has allocated for them. And, and, and they are just acting out. And here, the ultimate form of punishment and judgment, which in my opinion, is God says, God gave them up. God let them be to behave and act according to their own desires. You know, if you grew up in a in a loving family and mindful parents who disciplined you, who were very disciplined and diligent in disciplining us. And, and for me, you know, I wasn't the angel that I am today when I was a kid. Shocking, I know, right? So my parents disciplined me. I mean, my mom particularly disciplined me re with regularity and consistency. And, um, but the most severe punishment is not like, you know, getting spanked. Or, and I could disclose this because, you know, first of all, because I'm a grown adult, and I, I had spent my early years in, as a child in a, in a foreign country. Right now, all lawsuits are off. You cannot report my mom. <laughs> but I grew up in a loving family. I think she feared God. She said that she must have read the portion of Proverbs, if you love your child, discipline them. I think she memorized that verse very well. And then, you know, it wasn't the, the spanking. It wasn't getting hit on your legs. My, man, my calves were just always bruised up, you know. It's when she would be so frustrated in a very calm manner. She said, you know what? You do whatever you want. You do whatever you want in a very quiet voice. And, and you know, even as a child, you know that that is not a statement of freedom. That is not a statement where said, no, mom is letting me do whatever. That's the ultimate sign of resignation. That conveys disconnect. That, that conveys lack of care and like, you know what? I don't really care. Because of the rebellion of the human race, God says, you know what? 
The Bible tells us that God let them be according to their desires and their wishes. And it's conveyed there. So God gave them up, which is, again, the ultimate sign of what? Punishment. So now, tucked in here in the, in the passage 18 through 32 is a verse that caused me to really stop and consider it deeper than I had in the past. Verse 21, we read this earlier. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Let's read the first portion of verse 21. They knew God. And we're not just talking about cognitive understanding or cognitive knowledge or emotional knowledge. The word they knew God is is talking about holistic, your mind, your heart, your emotions, your soul. They had intimate knowledge of God. Yet, they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks So the intimate knowledge that they possessed, they had access to as God has revealed himself to all of humanity. In spite of the knowledge of God, instead they chose to what? Through that knowledge, they didn't worship him. Through the intimate knowledge that God disclosed to them, they did not give God thanks. And, and, and they say they refuse to glorify God and they refuse to give him thanks. You know, when God clo- discloses himself, as God reveals himself, I believe that truth demands a response. If God says, you know what, I am good, I am here for you, I have the best plan for you, you trust me, you obey me, you live in the context of my provision and my in intimate and divine care for you. When the humans protested, when they pushed back, they mistrusted and they chose to walk away from the provision of God. God says, you know what? I will let you be. It says they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, meaning they began to conjure up different ideas of what God was really like contrasting to the ways that God has disclosed himself. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. You see this a progression right here? God discloses himself. When human race failed to honor God, when human race failed to give God thanks, the lack of gratitude or ingratitude is exactly what led to depravity of the human race. And it's this little phase, phrase that I can't get over. Because oftentimes when I think about sin, I don't think about, oh, thanksgiving. When I think about lacking godliness, when I think about not worshiping, I don't think about, oh, well, let's thank God more. But here, Apostle Paul is quite clear that the correlation with, with thanksgiving and sin is quite evident here. Charles Spurgeon, a great a theologian and preacher in the 1800s, 1800s is what, 19th century, right? I forget. He said this, 
I cannot say anything much worse of a man than that he is not faithful to those who have been his benefactors. And when you say that he is not thankful to God, you have said about the worst thing you can say of him. In typical 19th century fashion, he goes on to show how God is treated by unthankful creatures. He declares in that book, he says, he is despised, his days ignored, his book is neglected, his son is refused, his deliverances are forgotten. And at least according to Spurgeon, he says, it's ingratitude. When we forget about God, when we fail to acknowledge in his divine provision, that's what leads us to greater sin. Essentially, not only are we not thankful people, but we never think of ourselves very guilty on that account. You know, you may be saying that you're not really guilty of this sin, but let me kind of uh, indict all of us. My goal is that um, to convince you that you and I are prone to the sin of ingratitude, that you and I are quite often engaged in constantly living in this uh, state of ingratitude or lacking uh, thanksgiving. And here are, here are my symptoms. Here are some expressions of ingratitude that I can uh, uh, share with you. First, while you may say that you're not an unthankful person, uh, let me get you into, are you someone that complains? Because complaining is a form of ingratitude. Do you complain? Okay, obviously just me. To complain means to grumble. Any grumblers here? To complain means to whine. How many of you guys whine? When you were waking up this morning. <laughs> oh, not you? Okay. Uh, to complain means to criticize. How many, how many of us are prone to criticizing? Criticizing other people, criticizing our friends, criticizing forms of government, criticizing systems, criticizing business hours, criticizing customer service. Come on, I'm, I'm going to keep on going. Criticizing the lengths of sermons on Sundays. Come on, somebody. <laughs> criticizing the loudness of praise band music. Now that I have your attention. Complaining is a demonstration of dissatisfaction. We complain about what we have. Uh, whatever we have, it's not enough. Whatever we have, it's not what I want. Whatever the things that we have, we still say, well, I never really asked for it. So we are constantly finding ourselves living in um, complaining. Second, we complain about what we don't have. And, and, and uh, whether if it's manna, we wish that we had quail. If it's cereal, we complain that we want hot breakfast and eggs and bacon and coffee. Uh, if the dress is black, we wish that we had a, a, a blue dress. Uh, 
If we had $500 in our bank account to extra cash to spend, we wished, we complained that it's not $1,000. If we had $1,000 disposable income, we complained that, man, I wish it was $5,000. If we don't have cancer, we complain that we have arthritis. If we have a blue card that we wish that, we complain that we wish it was a red card. We dream of having a better job because we could be doing so much better than we are now. We complain quite often. I looked up additional definition of the word complain, and I was quite surprised to find this word in this description. To complain also is to protest. Very interesting. Complaining is a form of defiance. Complaining is a form of resisting what I already have. Complaining is a form of pushing away and discrediting what I already have in my possessions and my circumstances. See, we never think of it this way. We never think of complaining. We think complaining as a, it's just a character uh, a flaw. Or complaining is something that we do occasionally. Complaining is something that we do and we justify, oh, I'm allowed to give my feedback. I'm allowed to respond to what I have. But understand, complaining, it can be. You defy, you willfully protest If there is indeed a divine provider, if there is indeed a divine caretaker of you, complaining is saying, you know what? God, I am not okay with this. God, I'm not cool with this. God, I question your ways for me. Now, complaining is a lot more serious than we have ever thought, is it not? So complaining is a form of ingratitude. Second portion, uh, an expression of ingratitude may be comparison. You know, too often, uh, your happiness and my happiness is measured through our comparisons with other people. What is it? What's that saying? Um, uh, Comparison is a thief of joy. So A lot of times, we derive our happiness, we derive our satisfaction only in comparison with other people. So we pay less attention to the life that God has given us. We pay less attention to our raw emotions, to what we have. Instead, we always measure it in in the light of what other people have, what other people enjoy. So we are constantly comparing ourselves. In a vacuum, if it's just us, I'm quite content eating the food that I eat every single day. But the moment we look over, the moment we compare our lives with the Kims, the Parks, the Merrills, the O's, And we get curious, and we look over our shoulder, and all of a sudden, the thing that we are very content with no longer seems good enough. You know what? I can just go on with these examples that are totally unrelatable, but if I switch it and say, you know what? 
The marriage that the other family enjoys, that seems so much better than the marriage that I am in. And we begin to compare our children as well. You know what? Did you hear that so-and-so? You know that uh, 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 John and, and, and Jenny's kid, they sleep through the night. They sleep 10 hours. And the baby's four weeks old. And you come home to crying baby. The kid just took a two-hour nap, unhappy. And you look at your kid, doesn't even sleep two hours in a row, and you compare. And this gift, the precious gift of life, the joyful gift that God has given to us, no longer are we satisfied because in comparison, it's not what others have. So if you find yourselves more constantly and more regularly you're comparing with other people, well, that is an expression of ingratitude. And today, I'm not saying these things so that it's not a a do this or don't do that, but simply my main focus today is for you to understand the importance of giving thanks and how lack of giving thanks or ingratitude leads to greater sin in our lives. So first, I talked about complaining. Complaining is a form of defiance. Also, comparing. Comparison mocks the gift giver. You see, complaining, one supposes, goes all the way back to Adam and Eve who complained that they did not have enough. If we go back to Romans chapter 1 in the context of what Paul is saying, he's taking his audience, his readers, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And something happened in the Garden of Eden that led to the fall of man. You know, we blame Satan. We blame, Satan, we bl- blame the ser- uh, serpent. But in that moment when the serpent came with a statement or suggestion, hey, why don't you take a bite of this fruit? And in that moment, Adam had all the knowledge, all the resources, all the reference points. Adam had gone through in his head all the things that God had told him what he can do and what he cannot do. In that moment, he chose. He chose to believe, oh, man, God, God is withholding from me. God is keeping away the very best thing. In that moment, he chose for himself. He became the decider for what is good and what is not good for his life. That is an active defiance for the divine caretaker. That is a, defi- uh, that is a, 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 a willful defiance ac- according to God's love. I will choose for myself. We don't ever see Adam complaining. We don't ever see Adam grumbling all throughout the book of Genesis. But in that moment, that was an expression of Adam's ingratitude. Adam forgot about all the blessings, all the gifts that he had at his disposal. And he chose to focus on one thing, one no that God had told him. In that moment, he paid attention to that. He compared himself. You know what? He compared himself to God. When Satan said, you can be like God. And Adam was curious about that statement. And he compared himself. Why wouldn't God give me something that is so delightful? Why did God choose to hide from me the thing that he had 
access to. He complained. He compared himself. And that lack of gratitude leads to the fall of man. So this idea of being grateful poses a deeper importance than perhaps we realize. When did I stop um, to say thank you for the daily blessings of God? How often do we say thank you for your provision for me, God? God, I am thankful for the spouse that I have. I am thankful for the children that you have given me. I am thankful for the health that you have allowed me. I am thankful for the jobs that I have or the job that I have. I don't know if you have multiple jobs. I am thankful. This is why over the past years, every Thanksgiving, I think I spoke in the message that Thanksgiving is not just an emotional response. Thanksgiving is a faith-filled, faithful declaration of your expression of who God is in your life. It's something that we do that requires discipline, that requires commitment, that requires fortitude, that requires faith, that requires believing that God is for me. God is for me forever. And even in my waiting, even in the lack of response, even in the lack of clarity, even in my angst, even in my frustration, even the lack of answer, I will give thanks to God. God, I will choose to celebrate you. I will choose to praise you. I will choose over and over and over again. Because in those moments where things are not good, when, when, when things are absent in my life, when God is still silent to my long-continued prayers, we are vulnerable in those moments. We are vulnerable to walk away. We're vulnerable to stop believing in God's promises. We're vulnerable to fall into sin where say, you know what? I'm going to start choosing for myself and live according to my own ways. So today, friends, I implore you, I encourage all of you to give thanks. We are exactly three weeks, uh, not three weeks, three days. You see how easily we forget? We are th only three days removed from the day of giving thanks. Here we are. Let us be reminded, Thanksgiving should be happening every single day. If you don't remember to do that, the next moment you, wanna, you find yourself complaining, the next moment you find yourself Comparing the mo next moment you are tempted to criticize somebody, something, remember, give thanks instead. As I conveyed in the beginning of this sermon, Apostle Paul conveys something really important about gratitude. We learn today that at the heart of the human sin, at the heart of depravity, is ingratitude.
discontentment toward your current life circumstances, discontentment toward your relationships, your friends, your marriages, they may lead to greater sins. So today, let's discover, let's find things. Let's look for things in our lives to give God thanks. And when we fail to acknowledge God, that's when we are most prone to um, living life according to our own ways. We forget what God has done for us. Today we are reminded all that Paul declares this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What do we have that we did not receive from the Lord? What do you have that God did not sovereignly provide for you? Amen.